In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Podcast, New Year, breaking down some big ideas. Did you have a good New Year? Did you get to hang out with the family? You didn't catch COVID, did you? The evolution of civilizations. And with the evolution of civilizations comes the disintegration of parts of our civilization. see the first three go before her. And your mangy little dog, too. But disintegration is the gradual transformation of social instruments into institutions. That is the transformation of social arrangements functioning to meet real social needs into social institutions serving their own purposes regardless of real social needs. Think about social security. Think about healthcare. These are social instruments that are designed to help real social needs. However, the corruption that has crept in has turned these social instruments into social arrangements or social institutions that no longer serve real needs, they're only serving their own purpose. They no longer do what they're set up to do. Even our government, it no longer functions to serve the people. It no longer functions to serve the needs or the real needs of the society. Instead, it only serving the needs of the people on the top. I think that comes back to absolute power and the corruption of conformity. I think the big question today is whether we have lost the Western view of reality. How about little fire, scarecrow? Which has given our 2,000 years of history its unique vitality, constantly pregnant with new versions of social structure. 
the truth unfolds in time through a communal process. People must constantly search for the truth by building upon what others have learned. But no knowledge can be assumed to be complete and final. It could be contradicted by new information received tomorrow. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Read my lips. No new taxes. The possible termination of open-ended Western civilization is upon us. With access to an explosive technology that can tear the planet apart, coupled with the failure of Western civilization to establish any viable system of world government, local political authority will tend to become violent and absolutist. As we move into irrational activism, states will seize upon ideologies that justify absolutism. The 2,000-year separation in Western history of state and society would then end. Western people would rejoin those of the rest of the world in merging the two into a single entity, authoritarian and static. The age that we are about to enter would be an ideologic one, consistent with the views of Hegel and Marx, a homeostatic condition. That triumph would end the Western experiment and return us to the experience of the rest of the world, namely that history is a sequence of stages in the rise and fall of absolutist ideologies. Things change. That's the way it is. Come on. Come on. That's just the way it is. It's interesting to think about. There was another book I read a while back by Thomas Piketty called Capital. And in that book, it goes in depth about capital, be it monetary capital, human capital. And it tells us, it's a, it's a tome, this book. It's over a thousand pages. And it's really well detailed. And Thomas Piketty goes on to tell us that capital has two states. He, goes, he, he tells us that throughout history, People are either really, really wealthy or they're really, really poor. Those are the two states. And if you take a look back into history, I would recommend if you, if you question this to read Thomas Piketty's book. The information in there is vast and I think irrefutable. What we have seen in the United States or what we have seen in the West is but a blip a tiny little blip on the radar. The increased wages and living standard of the Western or American middle class was a consequence of devastated industry in Europe because of the two world wars. The Bretton Woods system, the strong dollar, it meant that people in the United States in a, were the only game in town. I'm looking over here, and I see green. Come on down! You're the next contestant on the prize. right. And so 
that rising tide lifted all the boats that were in the United States. However, as industry caught up and investment was, large investments were made in other countries, supply chains were changed, there's no longer this giant tide lifting the boats of the United States. And again, we're beginning to see the natural state of capital, which is all the money settles at the top and the crumbs are left to the people on the bottom. Please, sir. I want some more. What? This world of competition is... It's a law of nature. Which is ironic because we're going to get into science and we're going to get into laws and some things like that. The differences between natural science and social sciences. That'll be coming up here in just a few minutes. I think it's important to note a good quote... Man has a responsibility to understand and relate actively to a continually unfolding reality. Let's talk about history. The facts of the past are infinite. And the possible arrangement of any selection from these facts are equally numerous. Since all the facts cannot be mobilized in any written history because of their great number... There must be some principle on which selection from these facts is based. Such a principle is a tool of historical analysis. I think if you have never questioned your history, then you've never sat down and done some real critical thinking. Let me just read a little, let me just read this part again, because I really want to drive it home. The facts of the past are infinite. And the possible arrangement of any selection from these facts are equally numerous. That points to a lot of different histories. Notice I said histories, plural. I think it's also important to note that any past event, even this podcast, is a fact of history. But most such facts, including this podcast do not deserve to be mentioned in the narration of history. <laughs> That's funny, right? The central fact of American history is the process by which a society with European cultural patterns was modified by the selective process of immigration from Europe and the opportunity to exploit the enormous, largely virgin resources of the New World. With those few quotes and that short introduction, I think you can begin to establish a pattern. And this pattern led me to what I am going to call COVID culture and social engineering of our current situation. Three steps. There's three steps. I thought to myself, could it be this easy? Could it be this easy to have three steps to social engineer an entire population? What do you think? Do you think you could do it in three steps? You know, when I think about three steps, and I was thinking about if this is possible, I started thinking about Leonard Skinner. And I know some of you are like, what the fuck are you talking about, George? How do you get Leonard Skinner and social engineering? You're talking about the history of 
the United States. You're talking about disintegration of civilizations. And you're talking about evolution of civilizations. And now you're over here screaming Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Give me three steps. Give me three steps. I was cutting the rug at a place called The Jug with a girl named Linda Lou. When in walked a man with a gun in his hand. And he was looking for you know who. He said, hey there, fella, with the hair colored yellow. What you trying to prove? Because that's my woman there, and I'm a man who cares. And this might be all for you. You know what I'm saying? I said, wait a minute, mister. I didn't even kiss her. I don't want no trouble with you. And I know you don't owe me. But I wish you would let me ask one favor from you. Give me three steps. Give me three steps, mister, towards the door. Give me three steps. Give me three steps, mister, and you'll never see me no more. And there you have it. And there you have it. The evolution the disintegration of civilizations in a verse by Leonard Skinner. Now let me give you those three steps. The facts, the process, and the modification. Those are the three steps. The facts. The facts of the past are infinite and the possible arrangements of any selection from these facts are equally numerous. There must be some principle on which selection from these facts is based. If you have an infinite, if you have an infinite selection of facts from the past, then you can produce any story. You can produce any behavior. You can produce any world, or let me rephrase that, you can begin to create any story. You can begin to create any idea in the minds of men. You can begin to create the world in which you want your people to live in. Let's take a look at some of the facts about America, the history of America. The central fact of American history is the process by which a society with European cultural patterns was modified by the selective process of immigration from Europe and the opportunity to exploit the enormous, largely virgin resources of the New World. So we've talked about the facts. We've talked about the infinite facts. Step one, creating a story, creating his story, history, creating history from an infinite number of facts and an infinite number of possible arrangements of those facts. Step two is the process, the selection process. I like to think of the selection process as the double-edged sword of opportunity and exploitation. 
opportunity is something people look at in a inspirational way. Exploitation is something that people look at in a desperate way. And while those words are not exactly synonyms of one another, I think it's important to understand the behavioral mechanisms in which our society moves forward. There's two ways people change. One is through inspiration and the other is through desperation. Those are the main drivers, the carrot and the stick. They're very similar to opportunity and exploitation. Operate, opportunity, inspiration. Exploitation, desperation. Does that make sense? Throughout, regardless of which infinite fact you choose to begin your history with, the drivers will be one of those two things. Opportunity or exploitation. Whether it was the Spaniards coming to the new world, the opportunity to discover something new, or the exploitation of the very people they came to conquer. The third step, modification of cultural patterns. How do you modify culture? Well, anytime something new is introduced to the culture, you can radically modify the behavior patterns. I remember when I was a kid, I saw this movie called The Gods Must Be Crazy. And it was about this indigenous tribe in the South Pacific somewhere that had never had any contact with the Western world. And one day, this Coke bottle washes up on the shore and somebody finds it. And the guy finds it and he runs back to the tribe, to the camp, and he shows them this Coke bottle. And everyone's looking at it like, whoa, look at this thing. This thing's amazing. It's just an empty glass Coke bottle. For those of you that are under the age of 40, you may have never seen a glass Coke bottle before. But they used to come in these you know, 16-ounce glass bottles. And so the, the guy in the tribe, one guy, one guy takes it and he uses it like a, like a, he starts hitting it with a stick. So it's like, tink, 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 and he starts making music with it. And then one of the ladies takes it and she uses it to start rolling some of the corn to make like a, like a flattened kind of a tortilla kind of a, you know, instead of using a stick, she was using the bottle and it worked out really well. And it got to the point, there was only this one Coke bottle. And all the people in the tribe wanted to see it. All the people in the tribe found these different uses for it. And it became a problem. Because everybody wanted to use it and there was only one. And it caused all this chaos and all this mayhem. And at the end, the guy takes the Coke bottle and he throws it out. He gets rid of it. Because it disrupted the harmony of the tribe. And I tell you this story because if something as insignificant or what we think may be as insignificant as an empty Coke bottle can change the behaviors of an indigenous tribe that has had similar patterns for thousands of years, 
What do you think the internet is doing to us? Any sort of new technology, be it a Coke bottle or Moore's Law, is going to fundamentally change the behaviors, sometimes to the point of disintegration to a society. The old paradigm cannot work with the technology we have today. That's why we are in the situation we're in. There's some interesting points too. You could say, in fact, George Carlin said that if the earth saw humankind as a threat, it would probably create some sort of virus that would attack our immune system. You know, stop us from procreating. And is it really, like, there's a lot of debate whether the, the virus is man-made or if it is just something that happened naturally. But in a way, that's kind of bullshit too, right? Because if you think of man as part of nature and man made the virus, then didn't nature make the virus? Either way, there is a novel virus that is killing people. But is that any different than a virus that breaks out among the rabbit population of New Hampshire? Is it any different than an outbreak of ticks in Maine? Or a sort of sickness that kills off the coyotes in California. It seems to me that nature has a way of containing. Nature has a way. Evolution has a way. The evolution of civilization is a pattern. It's something to think about. So, let me, let me step back and talk a little bit more about these three steps. The facts that we are using today. Let's go back to step one, the facts. In, the case, in this case, the facts we're using to modify. Step one, the facts we are using to modify or socially engineer society today are not just historical, which we've covered, but they're also scientific. Right? So you have these two cases, historical facts and scientific facts. It's like a two-move checkmate, fool's mate, which ironically is an actual thing. You know, you could checkmate somebody in two moves, but it can only be done by black. Kind of interesting, right? So we already know that history is a set of lies agreed upon, a story written by those who won the war. But let's talk about, just for a moment, about scientific facts. The state of science in the American media, it seems to me that natural scientists are quite prepared to accept as a law a rule that was approximately true or was true in only like one in a hundred cases while the social scientists 
are reluctant to accept any rule that was only approximate, or even one that had no more than one in a hundred. You know, you get into the debate of natural science versus social science, but yet both of them claim to use the scientific method. The social engineering being done, in, in my opinion today, is obvious when people say things like the science is settled. Anytime you hear somebody say the science is settled, you should walk away from that person. The science is never settled. That's why they call it science. Science at best is a hypothesis. But it's never settled because we do not have all the facts. And anybody that tells you the science is settled is someone that is either misinformed or disingenuous. As scientific methodology is practiced, all three parts are used together at all stages, and therefore no theory, however rigorously tested, is ever final, but remains at all times tentative, subject to new observation and continued testing by such observation. Science, as one writer put it, is like a single light in darkness. As it grows brighter, it shows more clearly the area of illumination and simultaneously lengthens the circle of surrounding darkness. Isn't that so true of life? The older you get, the more you, the more you learn about a subject, the more it dawns on you, the less you know. Scientific assumptions cannot be proved, but they can be refuted, and they must always be put in a form that will allow such refutation. Look at all the censorship on the internet right now. It's as if people that want to socially engineer our culture, you know, taking it back, you know, we're still in the first step. They're trying to control the facts. They refuse to allow scientific debate in public forums. How can anybody possibly know what's happening unless we have the best of the best debate each other in a public forum? I'm not talking about two people shouting ad hominem attacks. I'm talking about two people accomplished in their field sitting down and talking about what they think is happening. Wouldn't that not be the best bet to solve the crisis in which we find ourselves today? Clearly, it would have to be. Closely related to the erroneous idea that science is a body of knowledge is the equally erroneous idea that scientific theories are true. One example of this belief is the idea that such theories begin as hypothesis and somehow are proved and become laws. There is no way in which any scientific theory could be proved, and as a result, such theories always remain hypotheses. The fact that such theories work and permit us to manipulate and even transform the physical world is no proof 
that these theories are true. Many theories that were clearly untrue have quote-unquote worked, and they continue to work for long periods. The belief that the world is a flat surface did not prevent men from moving about on its surface successfully. The acceptance of Aristotelian beliefs about falling bodies did not keep people from dealing with such bodies and doing so with considerable success. Men could have played baseball on a flat world under Aristotle's laws and still pitched curves and hit home runs with as much skill as they do today. Eventually, to be sure, erroneous theories will fail to work and their falseness will be revealed. But it may take a very long time for this to happen, especially if we continue to operate in the limited areas in which the erroneous theories were formulated. Scientific theories must be recognized as hypotheses and as subjective human creations, no matter how long they remain unrefuted. Failure to recognize this The, situ we find, the situation in which we find ourselves today in science is no different than the days of Pythagoras and Plato, who argued that the human senses are not dependable, but are erroneous and misleading, and that accordingly, the truth must be sought without using the senses and observation, and by the use of reason and logic alone. This is, of course, what exactly what scientists have always done, seeking to explain the subjective complexity of qualitative differences such as temperature, color, texture, hardness, in quantitative terms. But in doing this, they introduce a dichotomy between appearance and reality that become one of the fundamental categories of intellectual controversy. Let's talk about the difference between appearance and reality in the senses. All things, scientists tell us, may be made up of different proportions of four basic elements, earth, water, air, and fire, but they certainly do not appear to be. The same problem arises in our own day when scientists tell us that the most solid piece of rock or metal is very largely made up of empty space between minute electric charges. Do you see what's going on here? The Pythagoreans argued that if things are really not what they seem, our senses are at fault because they reveal to us the appearance, which is not true, rather than the reality, which is true. This being so, the senses are undependable and erroneous and should not be used by us to determine the nature of reality. Instead, we should use the same reason and logic that showed us that reality was not like the appearance of things. It is this recourse to rational process independent of observation 
that led the ancient rationalists to assume the theories violating Occam's razor that became established as Aristotelian and dominated men's ideas of the universe until almost 2,000 years later, they were refuted by Galileo, who actually reestablished observation and Occam's razor in scientific procedure. Let's talk about a different part of the scientific method and equate that to today. Let's talk about scientific method and testing the hypothesis. Okay, this can be done in three ways. By checking back, by foretelling new observations, and by experimentation with controls. Of these, the first two are simple enough. We check back by examining all the evidence used in formulating the hypothesis to make sure that the hypothesis can explain each observation. A second kind of test, which is much more convincing, is to use the hypothesis to foretell new observations. If a theory of the solar system allows us, as Newton's did, to predict the exact time and place for a future eclipse of the sun, or if the theory makes it possible for us to calculate the size and position of an unknown planet that is subsequently found through the telescope, we may regard our hypothesis as greatly strengthened. The third type of test of a hypothesis, experimentation with controls, is somewhat more complicated. Let me give you an example here. And I'll try to tailor it to what's going on today. If a man had a virus, he believed to be the cause of some disease, he might test it by injecting some of it into the members of a group. Even if each person who had been injected came down with the disease, the experiment would not be a scientific one and would prove nothing. The persons injected could have been exposed to another common source of infection, and the injection might have had nothing to do with the disease. In order to have a scientific experiment, we must not inject every member of the group, but only every other member, keeping the uninjected alternate members under identical conditions, house arrest, except for the fact that they have not been injected with the virus. The injected members we call the experimental group, the uninjected persons we call the control group. If all other conditions are the same for both groups, and the injected experimental group contract the disease while the control group do not, we have fairly certain evidence that the virus causes the disease. Notice that the conditions of the control group and the experimental group are the same except for one factor that is different. The injection. A fact allowing us to attribute any difference in final result to the one factor that is different. Does that sound a lot like what the fuck is happening right now? Doesn't it seem to you that this is a one giant social experiment and that Part of the population is being the control group 
and the other part of the population is the experimental group. Copy. But I think I'll leave it there right now. I just kind of wanted to dip our toe into the evolution of civilizations, the idea of COVID culture and the social engineering of our civilization and potentially the disintegration of our civilization. I also wanted to point out that the engineering aspect can be done in three steps. The facts, the process, and the modification. These are the three steps you would take to fundamentally change people's perception of reality. Present them with facts. Then you begin the process of certain... And then you begin the process of behavioral change. And finally, the Then you begin the process, the selection process, which we talked about as the dual sword of opportunity and exploitation. And finally, the modification of cultural pattern. Three steps. Well, that's good. We're going to get into moral to a little man and culture and try and tie it together with the evolution of societies and the disintegration of societies. Aloha. Thank you. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.